what is up mma on point live chat family welcome to the show you were expecting jason but surprise he is actually not here today he's finally getting his wisdom teeth removed or as pt said he's getting his face removed so we don't know if he's gonna survive but i am your moderator today so i will be doing the usual switching cameras reading the kumite questions making sure you guys don't get rowdy in the chat and I am actually joined here with two of our Irish friends. Give it up for Pizzi and Rob. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. Good. Fantastic. Great. Um, just want to send all my best wishes to Jason, who's having his face amputated. <laughs> Obviously, we know that the Paul brothers hit very hard, and those sparring <laughs> have rendered his face absolutely obsolete. So looking forward to see what face he comes back with. And of course, I'm so happy to be here with Robert. How are you, sir? I'm great, man. It's great to be here again. It's been a long time, but it's great. What type of face do you think Jason's going to come back with? Um, gee, who was in that movie Face Off? One of those guys. Cage and John Travolta. Cage. Cage. You should be. Ever made. How it missed Oscar recognition, I'll never know. But uh, who whose face would you take if you could only take Nicolas Cage or John Travolta? Oh, Cage. Nicolas Cage. Of course. Beautiful man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Definitely. That's the right answer. All right, boys. Lon, what type of face do you think he's going to have? I, man, I just, I don't know. There's so many possibilities, right? I mean, it could be anything. This, the technology we have is just, is just impeccable. I don't know. I don't know. I got nothing. He should come back with that mustache. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, he should. Yeah. All right. Cool, boys. So, we are going to go straight into the Kumite Crunch to get things going. Chat, you guys kind of know what this looks like. We will be reading off a series of questions, and you all will be voting on who should take it first, whether it's going to be uh, Rob or Pizzi first. So we'll kind of get that pulled up, and I will preface the questions. You guys will put your votes in the chat. Uh, if you don't pick Pizzi, he will be upset, so there's your, there's your fair no, warning. But uh, <laughs> so... So today we got the first headline of Gone versus Rosenstruck, which is this weekend, obviously. So chat, who should take this one first? Put a Rob in the chat for Rob, PT for PT. Probably not going to be me today. I got too many things going on. So you can vote me if you want. It's probably not going to work. So put those in the chat while I kind of preface this question. So like I said, the, the headline of Gone versus Rosenstruck. So what are your thoughts on this specific matchup and what does it mean for the division? So that's kind of where we're going with this train of thought. Let's see who the chat is voting. Ooh, sorry, Rob. PT is uh, yeah. PT is kind of smoking not. this one. So someone call me Robbie Knuckles. That, that should win it. <laughs> that should win it. All right. So PT, you got the headline of Gone versus Rosenstruck. You got one minute. You ready? Yes. All right. It's all Thank you. you starting now. I love this fight, first of all. I think they're two of the best prospects in the heavyweight division. And most importantly, we, we talked about it last week, when two heavyweights are matched in a main event, sometimes you're like, this could go one way or the other. We saw it, of course, go uh, the good way when Derek <laughs> Lewis knocked out Curtis Blades last week. But these two guys have a style matchup that I think has to deliver. Rosenstruck is a powerful, powerful striker. He's more of a guy to plant his feet and land a big bomb, whereas Gan is beautiful footwork, gets in and out, moves so well for a guy in the heavyweight division. And when you see where these guys are situated in the rankings, I believe Rosenstruck is four, Gan is number seven. 
the guy the guy who wins is going straight into that title conversation. And I think a lot of things need to play out to find a bona fide contender. Because right now we have Nganu v Stipe two coming up at the end of March, and we Eight also seconds. have John Jones waiting in the coach. So we've a lot of things to happen in the heavyweight division to find a contender out of that top three. I think this fight is very important in that regard. Nice, nailed it. Thank I like you. it. All right, Thanks, so now we are going to toss it to you, Rob. Same headline. You got one minute. You ready? Yeah, man. All right, starting now. Yeah, I think Petey's right on the matchup. Um, it's a really good matchmaking. I think um, Gan ha- has a lot of tools for a guy who only has, what, seven fights? Is it eight fights, seven fights, something like that? Um, but one thing I do find interesting about the matchmaking is that usually these kind of younger heavyweights, younger, I mean, versus the rest of the heavyweights who are like usually near 40, they go through that kind of usual, you know, the 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 guys like uh, Overeem, Arlovsky, those kind of guys and it seems like Cyril Gan is kind of skipping that step he did beat JDS who was that kind of gatekeeper as well but it seems like he's getting pushed into not a number one contenders fight but one that will put him as Pete said right into that title picture so maybe that says something about what the UFC think of Cyril Gan that he's not really fighting too many gatekeepers he's getting right into kind of the, the the deep end of the division right now and um, it could produce a number one contender, but as PC said, there's so many guys there, including Derek Lewis, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But yeah, good match. I think I think that's the big problem, isn't it, Rob? Like once they give you one of these top guys in the division, like they did with Rosenstruck against Nganu, and then obviously um, Gan v JDS, they've kind of taken the safety uh, net away at that point. Like you have to put them in high-profile fights if they're going into these fights and winning. Obviously, Rosenstruck lost to Nganu, but he bounced back with a win at JDS as well. So I feel like once they put them into that kind of conversation with the guys at the top of the bracket, they've removed the chance of sending them backwards and putting them against guys who you feel are winnable, right? Yeah, it's it's the classic gatekeeper thing, isn't it? It's You beat one of these guys and then you're right in there. I just find it interesting that usually they feed them a few more. Like, I think uh, Rosenstruck had three of them. He had JDS, he had Arlovsky. Uh, and he had somebody else. Uh, it's not coming to mind. Um, but right now, it's Gan has gone right in there after just one of those guys. So I just find that interesting matchmaking. And it probably does say something about how they feel about Gan. And like, you can only get away with this really a heavyweight, can't you? Like a guy going in with seven fights and talking about potentially a title fight upcoming. Absolutely. Cool. All right. But with all that being said, that actually segues us into our next headline of what's next for Lewis. So same thing, chat. Who should take this one? Pizzi or Rob? Apparently, I misvoted. Apparently, Rob may have won the last one. I didn't. What? I didn't apparently oh, yes. watch for long enough. I'm just. I'm not. We're not. We're not this taking the vote bullshit. back. I'm just letting you guys know. So I want to leave now. Who should take this one, Rob or Pizzi? We got the headline of next for Lewis. And so speaking of heavyweights, who should Lewis fight next? The winner of this coming fight Saturday? So that's kind of the thoughts we're going. And this one is... I think you should fight all the people in the chat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This one is clearly Rob's win. I think you're getting partially some, some sympathy votes, but also I think I really did miscount last time. So, Rob, we got you for one minute on what's next for Lewis. You ready? Yeah, man. All right, starting now. Um, thanks everybody. Uh, but I think, I honestly think a title fight, uh, should be in the works for Derek Lewis. I think he deserves it. Um, on the, the street that he's on, you don't normally get that heavyweight. 
Um, he's beat some good guys. His last one is against the number one contender. So realistically, in terms of the rankings, he should be next in line. I think the whole John Jones thing throws a spanner into the works and it seems like he would probably get a title fight. So if he does get that title fight, I will say Derek Lewis should stay busy because I don't think... And not being busy in this sport is a good thing. So I put him against maybe the winner uh, of this weekend's fight uh, or the loser of that title fight. But to be honest, if John Jones isn't a part of this equation, which I think he is, although there was some kind of dispute reports, didn't John Jones come out and say that um, something like, I wish seconds. I'll fight in the UFC at some point? So you never know. But if there's no John, John Jones title fight, if not the winner of the, the uh, loser of the fight this weekend. Nice. Great. Awesome. Pizzi, same topic. What's next for Lewis? What are your thoughts? You ready? Yeah, yeah, go for it. One minute starting now. Yeah, I, I feel as though Rob is right in terms of um, matching him up with the winner of Gan v. Rosenstruck because really the only other person at play there um, in terms of a fresh matchup is Volkov. But, I mean, he's already beaten Volkov. I very much doubt that Lewis would want to rematch himself with that um, you know, go go back through that process just to basically get another win. Um, best case scenario for him. I do feel as though the Jones situation and with, with the winner of Stipe V and Ganu is going to play out for a long time. And that's why I feel Lewis will definitely need to stay busy. Um, I also feel as though it's going to be a big, big fight for whoever wins this one. Like in terms of recency bias, MMA is one of the most guilty sports there is. I think after a big performance at the weekend for either Gann or Rosenstruck, people are going to be crying out for this. Ten and look, Lewis, Lewis actually, I, I don't know if he likes these fights against strikers because obviously them them takedowns is where he really drains the opponent, eventually lands them big hammers. But yeah, I feel like this weekend's winner is a perfect one for Lewis, to be honest. Awesome. Anybody got, you guys want to discuss that? You want to move on? This part's up to you. Well, one thing, yeah. he shouldn't fight over him. I know he's he's calling out over him, isn't he, Derek Lewis? Which I, I think there's a bit of beef between them, so I understand that. But man, in terms of like what over him should do next, uh, next it should not be Derek Lewis. That's a terrible um, idea. Yeah, I don't think Overeem would want that fight. To be honest, you know, like, like I don't think you'll hear him say it publicly. But after suffering a KO, the last person you want to get in with there is Mister Out of Nowhere, Derek Lewis. Here comes yeah. my hand. It's in your face. You're asleep. <laughs> like that's the last guy. <laughs> Overeem's going to want to fight. Um, I think it is a beef thing. I think it's, you know, Overeem has thrown some shade at Derek, but the fans love Derek, man. They, uh, yeah. I think they'll overwhelmingly pick Gan or Rosenstruck instead of uh, Overeem if they had the choice themselves, you know? Yeah. Awesome. All right, y'all. Well, moving right along to our third headline of the day. So same thing, chat. Who should take this one? Rob, PT, go ahead and put your votes in the chat. I should have read this headline a little more in advance because I I know Ankolaev is the last name, but Krylov, am I saying that right, PT yeah. Rob? Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, so I'm not totally embarrassing myself. I'm officially a moderate, no longer casual, baby. So we got the headline, Krylov versus Ankolaev. And so the description of that is for the co-main, what are your thoughts on this specific matchup? So let me go to chat and see who we got. do 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 Mike, you can only give one vote. You got about 16. So <laughs> if I ignore that and count it as one, it looks like Pizzi. I'm going to have to guess on that one. So we're just going to give it to Pizzi because, Mike, you can't spam can't spam the chat, baby. So you got... Come on, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Who did Mike vote for? Do what? 
Who did Moik vote for? Rob. But he put it about one, two, three, Come four, on. five, six, seven, eight, <laughs> nine times. <laughs> What's your dad's name, Rob? <laughs> it's Mike. <laughs> All right, so Fiji, you got one minute on the topic of Krylov versus Ankolaev starting now. This is a huge fight in terms of Eastern Europe, right? Like, this is two mm. big, big names from that part of the world. It might not resonate outside of that too much, but... All I can tell you is Krylov is a gangster, man. This is a guy that decided to leave the UFC a few years back because he didn't feel he was ready. He was already in the promotion, left, went on a four-fight winning streak with Fight Nights Global, and he's been back in the UFC since, but he's been, I think, two and two in his four fights. But the thing is, he can show up and give anyone trouble. When he looks good, he looks sensational. And Ankoloyev, look... Apart from that freak triangle loss against Paul Craig in London, I was at that fight. He's been pretty much perfect in there. He's had the two fights with Ion Kutilaba, but I feel as though Krylov is another level, especially when he's on song. He's absolutely unbelievable. I think this is a really, really strict test for Ankoloyev, but I do think the clever money goes on him. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be completely surprised if Krylov pulled off a shock upset win. Nice. Landed at the minute mark. All right. Rob, tossing it to you. Same topic. One minute. You you ready? Yeah. All right. Starting now. I think you're right, PC. It's an excellent matchup. And Nikita Krylov is, I wouldn't say underrated, but maybe he's a little bit unsung or he's not talked about enough. Because this guy, if you want to talk about finishers, this guy has one decision win. Like, of all his wins, only one has gone to decision. And it's almost split evenly between uh, knockouts and submissions. He's very good everywhere. The only thing is with him, and funny enough, the thing with Ankalaev was when I think of both of them, I think of like freak submissions. I'm not even freak, but like memorable submissions mm-hmm. that they were kind of on the on the the worst end of. Of course, you had that one with Krylov where he got uh, von Flude or von Prude by Ovin Saint Prude, and then that crazy triangle with what like one second to go when he tapped against Paul Craig for Ankalaev. But um, Ankalaev, excellent everywhere. I don't think he's fought the guys that that um, Krylov has fought. Krylov has fought some really good guys. I think that shows on his record. But very, very good matchup. If Ankolaev can win this, I think there's there's a really bright future for him. Great. Awesome. All right, y'all. Well, moving right along to the fourth headline of the day, we have Dillashaw's return. So, again, we got two more left chat. So who should take this fourth out of five? So put your votes in the chat. Michael Hunt, you told me to say your name. I'm not going to, I'm going to do the long version. So there you go. I said it. So put your votes in the chat. Who should take this one, PT or Rob? And the backstory on that one is recently TJ Dillashaw remarked on his eligibility to return after his two-year EPO suspension. And he said that he would like to compete for the title in his first fight back. So do you agree with that? Should he, his first fight back after a two-year suspension be for a title? So that's kind of what we're going on right now. Let's go to the chat and see who is going to win this one. I've got three, four for PC, two for Rob. <laughs> Someone said Rob just to piss PC off. <laughs> I think we'll actually, we're going to do that. We're going to start with you, Rob, because then we're going to have an actual tiebreaker for the, uh, for the final one. So sorry, PC. I love you. We're going to get this. So you give him a boy and then it's a tiebreaker. This is bullshit. <laughs> We just had to upset you. <laughs> so, all right, Rob. I'm always very upset. We know. <laughs> all right, Rob, you got one minute on your thoughts on Dillashaw's return starting now. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely not. I, I don't <laughs> like the UFC has set a precedent giving guys title fights after being suspended for um, PDs. You have John Jones, I believe, twice. You have who else was there? There was uh, Brock Lesnar who was getting a title fight after he popped against Mark Hunt and he came back and then the fight didn't happen against DC. So there is a precedent there. So I don't see it like this kind of big thing if the UFC do it, they're they're ruining the sport. They've already done it. But like even if you remove the PED factor, a guy who's been out for two years, regardless of the the reasons, shouldn't be getting a title fight when you have Corey Sandhagen, when you have even Rob Font, who has looked excellent in his last fight, uh, his last couple of fights. So there's too many guys in front of him. I think TJ Dillashaw co- should come back, fight a top 10 guy. I don't think he should be dropped out of rankings or anything like that, or in terms of like who he fights. But um, there's absolutely no way he should be getting a title fight. It just makes no sense, as I said, especially since you have guys there who are ready made for a title fight. Nice. Awesome. All right. Petey, we're tossing it to you. What are your thoughts on Dillashaw starting now? For me, this isn't really about, you know, oh, oh they're bringing a guy back who, who pissed hot. Because as Rob said, they've done it before. But the big thing for me is he lost his last fight. Like, we're not mm-hmm. talking about a guy who got stripped of the title. Um, he was on this wild winning streak and he was stripped because he popped. This is a guy who lost his last fight in the first 30 seconds of, like, you know, against yeah. Henry Cejudo. For me, that's that's why he shouldn't fight for the title. I mean, the problem is, the dilemma will be, if Aljamain Sterling beats Piotr Jan, he's basically gone in and had a completely emphatic victory over Corey Sandhagen. And someone like Dillashaw just has a bigger name. He has a far bigger name, and he's going to get a lot more numbers coming back because this story was so hot, right? When he, when he pissed hot, it was huge. So I think that's the real dilemma here. In terms of Rob Font and Sandhagen, he's just a way bigger prize for whoever wins that fight. And, of course, Sandhagen has lost pretty emphatically to Aljamain. So I wouldn't rule it out. I don't think he should, but I wouldn't rule it out. Yeah, I, uh, just on that, that's one of the reasons why I wasn't... Not that I wasn't annoyed about the Jose Aldo one when he got a title fight, but I understood it in a way because Pierre Yan needed a guy who had a name and Jose Aldo had that name and now they're making the fight with Aljamain Sterling and I don't know if it made a huge effect. I don't know if it's like going to make so many more fans tune in to watch Peter Yan, but maybe a small effect. So, you know, putting champions against guys who have a name does make a whole lot of sense, but... I just don't think it should take precedent over guys who should be fighting because of like what they've done recently. Oh, I agree, but it does, right? Like that's the problem. Yeah. It always does with the UFC. It's like they don't really care. They they just see the dollar signs. And the thing is, like Dillashaw isn't the best loved guy in the world. Never has been. And no. if you go in and you get a win and you knock out TJ Dillashaw or you put him unconscious with a choke or something that's a way bigger pop than you're going to get doing anything else in the division unless Henry Zahudo comes back so mm-hmm. I mean I, I think it's I think that's the situation that's the dilemma for whoever the champion is and for the UFC that's a good point as well like from the champion's perspective maybe they'll want that maybe they'll want something like that and you kind of I don't think you need to give the champion who they ask for but I think they should have some kind of input on on maybe who they would like to fight and kind of built that into the matchmaking. So yeah, it, it makes complete sense. Like it, it could happen. Definitely. Nice. All right. Great. Good topic. Good discussion. Liked it. So we are moving now on to the fifth and final topic. I will give the chat a few more extra seconds to put your votes in for PT or Rob, because this is a tiebreaker. I'll never forgive you. You'll never, no, I'll never forgive you. Never. <laughs> 
So Robbie Knuckles, go for it. <laughs> so put your votes in the chat. Rob or Pizzi, we got the headline Zufa Anniversary. So yesterday was Zufa's 20-year anniversary of their first event. And the kind of question we want to discuss is, do you miss the Fertitta ownership over what it is now? Which is the letters I forgot. U- UMG? Someone educate me. PT? WMG. WMG. Okay, I knew it was an MG. So comparing it to that, to the current ownership versus Fertitta Brothers. Endeavor. <laughs> hey, yeah. there was my casual side coming out. All right, so let's jump to the chat, <laughs> see who we got. Ra-da-da-da, PT. Ooh, this is a tight one. <laughs> oh, this is disgusting. I love all the nicknames Big that I'm getting. This is brilliant. Rock. Yeah, Come I know. On, <laughs> <laughs> I like right. for Tommy as well. Yeah, I know. Marco is just spamming Tommy. So, oh my God, this one is tight. Okay. Mar- oh. Okay, I'm about to... Hold on, I got to do some some time. Never mind. Faith just handled it. So, okay. I Man, this is this is oh, so God. close. I can't... Eat. The next one I see besides Tommy... Okay, PT. There were two for PT yeah. right after I said that, so... That's what we're gonna have to do. That was just that was too many to count too quick. So Pizzi, you are our winner today, and you get to start off the final topic of the Zufa anniversary and your thoughts. And do you miss the Fertitta ownership? Are you ready for your minute? Yes. All right, one minute starting now. Just to let you know, this is gonna be my weakest answer of the day. You <laughs> so just voted for me. Thanks very much. Um, I don't know if I really miss the Fertitas, but I know the fighters do because the fighters used to use the Fertitas as a buffer between them and Dana. Most famously, McGregor always would talk to Fertitta before he talked to Dana or try to get something over the line. They seem far more interested in having a discourse with the fighters. And, and as Rob was just talking about, like asking the champions what they want, what's their next move, what's the best way to go about things. So from my point of view, I think that's the real absence for a lot of people. They miss having that guy that can maybe appeal to Dana's more sensitive side and get one of their ideas across. But um, the thing I, I miss most from something that was in the Zufa era was was guys just being able to wear their own clothes, be able to push themselves across a bit more. This Reebok stuff is just horrible. You don't get the personality of fighters, and I'm sick of it. Hope Venom do a better job. Nice. All right. Rob, we are tossing it to you. You are ending the Kumite segment, so you got one minute on the topic of the Bethesda. Hard look, Rob, yeah? Hard look, man. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. (laughs) All right, Rob, you got one minute starting now. Yeah, I'm kind of with PT there. Like, there's not a whole lot that I think for fans, like for us or whatever you want to call us, I don't think a whole lot has changed from what we see. Um, I think with Zufa, it felt a little bit smaller or something. Like, I think with, with Endeavor now, it feels a little bit bigger. And that's probably just a function of having ESPN on board and all that. But I thought there was something about when the Fertitas were there. It did feel a bit smaller. It felt a bit, I don't know, like it was ours, a bit unique. Um, But like... There hasn't been a whole lot of changes. Like people point to like super fights increasing, like the the volume of super fights increasing. But that was kind of trending that way anyway before they came in. And um, of course, like Connor was supposed to fight um, RDA. I think it was UFC 196, which was you know Zufa were still there. So I think that was trending. So I don't think a whole lot on the face of things has actually changed. But it's mostly Ten behind seconds. the scenes. Like they had a lot of uh, like cuts for personnel cuts and all that. So I'm sure that affects uh, the fighters and the staff. But yeah like it's kind of the same from from this end yeah cool 
All right, well, if you guys don't have any more thoughts on that, we will move it to the general chat section. So this is just a sec. This is like pretty much it's only 1230, so, well, 1230 Central Time. So we're going to take about an hour to answer any questions you guys have as the chat. I'll be kind of moderating and watching the chat, chiming in with some questions if I see one. That's, that's for you and PT and Rob. If I see a question, I'll just chime in kind of thing. But we do have a super chat from Richard E. Normus. Gives us $5.00. And he asked, um, thoughts on Rafael Fizeev. I think he will be top five by the end of 2021. So, Rob Pizza, you guys want to kind of give your thoughts on that for a second? Yeah, I, I think he's brilliant. Um, he's obviously, he's actually the the head kickboxing coach, K1 coach at Tiger Muay Thai. He's working mm. very closely with another Irishman, would you believe? John Hutchinson, who we're going to see in the corner of Piotr Jan next weekend. Um I think he's a brilliant striker. He's obviously very, very good. I mean, his debut against Mark Diacasey was absolutely brilliant. I thought he was fantastic. And I think we're just only seeing that, you know, a very small bit of what he can do in there. I was speaking to John Hutchinson about him recently, and he was saying he's absolutely phenomenal. He's very well-rounded, and he's a big leader in the gym there at Tiger. So, I mean, to, to be leading a crew like that, is a feat in itself and to be teaching these guys looks at Piotr Yang kickboxing and stuff like that I think it says a huge amount about him I'm really looking forward to seeing more of him and I agree I think he can be a huge force at lightweight yeah like he's very um like he's fundamentally sound but he's also flashy in a way as well like he yeah. does that lean back uh defense for the head kick and that um but he's a very good fighter and he, ha he seems to have a bit of a personality I haven't seen too many interviews with him but I remember I think it was his last fight his post fight interview was quite entertaining um I'm not sure what his, I think his English is pretty good isn't it it but, is very um, good yeah. yeah but he seems like a bit of a character as well so excellent fighter a bit of a character flashy but also it, it doesn't it's not his flashiness doesn't take away from him actually being an excellent fighter fundamentally so he's, he's a guy to watch for sure Man, I just have a feeling like Russia are going to completely take over the sport from yeah. anywhere in Eastern Europe. It's just going to be Eastern Europe all over the grid, man. They're just built different out there, man. They really are. It, yeah. it's, it's just a different thing. And um, I feel like the likes of Tiger Muay Thai have so many of them as well out there that they've created a great community for themselves. Um, so, yeah, really, really excited about Rafael. Yeah, it's not like we're saying the first wave of them either. Like, there's, there's been a couple of waves, but like, it seems like there's going to be more. You know, there's going to be, like, better guys and better guys and better guys because, like, Habib now being retired, he seems like he's going to bring up a lot of his guys through the promotion that he picked up. So, um, yeah, I think in a few years, it's going to be, like, Russia all over. They're taking yeah, like, over, I think. Let's go through the divisions. Like, you have Askar Askarov at 125. Yeah. At 135, you already have Yan. At 145, mm -hmm. you have Zabit. At 155, there was this guy called Habib, really good apparently. Oh yeah, he's decent, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who do we have at who do we have at 170? 170. Kabalov probably the top dog there for Russia, is he? Yeah, probably. I'm trying to look through the rankings here. There's no one ranked. But yeah, we probably. already have an Eastern European guy in Jan Blahovic at the top of the the mm. light heavyweight division. Mm -hmm. And then we have Volkov at heavyweight, who looked phenomenal against Overeem. So I mean yeah. It, they they are so well um, well accounted for in the UFC. It's unbelievable, and I can remember when Mark Henry started taking the likes as a beat in, and Habib was already a force. He was always telling us he was like, man, like I can see it in the future where, like, you know, Russia have eighty percent of the titles out there, and it's not yeah. completely ridiculous to to think that could happen in the future, right? Like they're just yeah. ridiculous at the moment. 
Yeah, and like, I know not everyone's situation is like Habib's, but if you watch the documentaries about Habib and the way he came up training, like if a portion of those fighters are going through the same regiment that he did when he was 10 years old, like these guys, they're, they're breeding killers over there. It's, it's a different kind of thing, you know what I mean? It's not, it's, it's different, it's different. And it means more to the people, right? Because um, I'm sure some of you have seen the Icarus documentary. They like the the country were basically banned from a lot of sports, yeah. like including the Olympics, which is huge in Russia, and that brought a greater sense of importance to the MMA fighters because they were the kind of main guys going on and still taking on the world. Habib taking on um, McGregor, all that kind of stuff. It brought so much more attention to MMA and to UFC, and we know how important it is to them over there. So I think that all kind of gathered together in a beautiful tornado and made it just absolutely massive there. And and even Jan returning to his part of Siberia was crazy. Like, there was fans everywhere. I, I just think that's so important as well. Like, we saw with McGregor as well in Ireland. Like, it just takes on a different meaning when everybody in the country is hanging on every punch, every step in the ring. It just makes such a big difference and um i think that in no no small no small way has helped the russian mma movement as well yeah like it's very different in the states where you don't have guys saying oh this guy's from oklahoma and they have the whole of oklahoma cheering for him it just doesn't really work that way but with places like ireland and even the uk and russia like the whole country who watch mma and even the, the casual fans who just see it passing by they will support their own so it is a very different thing. I think that is important. It kind of it, like it cultivates the the whole community around these guys. It's um it's incredible to see, and I think that's good in a sport that's so singular. You know, I don't know about you, but like I don't have that many favorite fighters. But when you have like a whole country like jumping on this one guy or this group of fighters, there's just something cool about it. You know, you're just watching it like this is amazing. That's gonna happen with China as well, I think. Yeah, definitely. And just so everyone's aware, that was Rob throwing shade at the United States of America, not me. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. the guy you are picking ahead of me. Just just I'm, I'm, that. I'm just saying just you don't need that. you still need anybody as our individuals, you know, freedom and all that. You <laughs> wanna see what he's writing in the chat here, guys? <laughs> we're gonna have to we're gonna have to revoke uh revoke all your votes now since you said that so <laughs> real quick we got another super chat from nathan andrews gave us four dollars and 99 cents thank you so much nathan he said Thanks, what's mate. next for both aspinall and daucus after last week and out of the two who has the brighter future so i think like aspinall's younger first of all right aspinall mm. has competed as a boxer he's trained with the likes of tyson fury in the past um, he's also a jiu-jitsu black belt. His dad is the head jiu-jitsu coach at Team Kelvin. Like, this guy is a monster. He he is huge. And, and like, the thing is, I think Doc has looked very impressive the other night. There's no doubt about it. Really explosive finish. But I, I just see more wrinkles in Aspinall's game with that submission win over Arlovsky. I think it was, like, the second time he's been submitted or something like that. We don't see all that many submissions at heavyweight. He's got yeah. great hands. Um, I, I think what you do with Aspinall next is matching with Spivak. They've, they've tried to make that fight happen twice. They're two great young guns in the division. I think that fight makes a lot of sense. Um, in terms of Dawkins, I would say put Dawkins against Tom or whatever, but I think you got to keep two prospects away from each other. Like we were talking about earlier with Rosenstruck and Gan and how rare it is to see a situation like that. you got to keep them away from each other because even, even though Dawkins is about 31, that's still very young at heavyweight. It's still Very incredibly young. young. We've seen great twilight years out of the heavyweights. Um, Stipe himself is an older guy than Dawkins. So 
I think keep them separate, but very exciting. I think the heavyweight division is having a great resurgence, and I don't think the kind of stopgap we're going to have as the title sorts itself out with Steve A. Ngannou and Jones, I don't think it's going to be the worst thing for the heavyweight division. Hopefully, when that trio sort out who is the champion, blah, 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 we'll have a whole team of interesting contenders just waiting to go up there and challenge. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, it's kind of... I was watching Dan Hardy talk about heavyweights before, and he was saying the re- he thinks the reason why they mature later is because the consequences of making a wrong decision at heavyweight is worse than at like featherweight because these guys are so uh, they have such heavy hands that like if you make one wrong decision, then it could be lights out. So the fact that Aspinall, who's twenty seven, and even Dawkins, who's thirty one, um, are this good and have looked good against some good fighters, and especially with Aspinall, and that's the reason why I think you're right that he's probably the better prospect. His his IQ against Arlovsky was amazing because I don't think anyone would have thought he's going to come out here and shoot a takedown, including Arlovsky, obviously, because he was not expecting that. Um, but he went out there. He obviously saw Arlovsky had, had a shot on the feet. Now, not that Arlovsky was landing much, but he, he had a shot on the feet and he said, well, I, I can take this guy down and I'll take him down and I'll finish him. And the way he transitioned to that uh, submission so quickly was amazing um so i think he's a better prospect um yeah i think someone in the top 10 give him but 27 years old a heavyweight that's incredible it's absolutely incredible make it as slow as possible because as we say once you put them in there with one of the big guns the safety net is gone there's only one way to go after that um you know obviously arlovsky isn't a complete unknown but i think they got to take it slow now is the time to take heavyweight prospects slow we know there's going to be an issue at the top there we know yeah, yeah. if even if Steve wins, he's going to sit out and and look for a bigger contract as he should to fight Jones. Absolutely. If Ngannou yeah. wins, one side of it's going to be looking for more money. Look, we already had the whole situation with John Jones talking about Ngannou. If I'm going to fight Ngannou, I want twenty million. Dana's talking about he wants Deontay Wilder money. He deserves it. Give it to him. But it's not going to yeah. be that easy. So I think now is the time to really, really take your time. With, with the matchmaking for these heavyweight prospects because it's exciting and it could actually result in something fantastic when we do get Jones in that title situation, whatever way it's going to work out. It could work in an absolutely thriving division. Yeah, I think that's a good point as well. There's going to be a, a definite logjam there. I think the only way it's not going to be is if Francis Ngannou wins and the UFC decides to go with someone like Lewis as his contender. I think that fight will just make itself, although, you know, the they first fight the first fight, right? But come on, like he, he deserves a title fight, so they might do it. They might do it. But either way, I think there will be a logjam unless something like that happens. They get like a lower, like a guy who's not going to dispute pay, like Lewis. He's not going to be asking for more money, or at least not very much. Um, but if it's going to be Anganu, and if John Jones looks for that, yeah, it's going to be a logjam up there. So yeah, there's plenty of guys down there that that they those guys could fight. Nice. All right. So I'm going to give the regular chat some love. We got a few more super chats. We'll get to those in just a second, guys. But I just saw a question that I saw earlier, actually, um, and this is kind of on a topic that we'll have really heavy in a few weeks. So what do you think is next for the light heavyweight heavyweight belt if Adesanya wins against Jan, which is obviously in, I think, three weeks, something like that? So I thought that was a good question. Mm. You guys want to give us your thoughts on that one? Go ahead there, Bobby, if you want. Yeah, like nothing really jumps out. It kind of throws this pattern into the works in the division in some ways. Like Adesanya has been talking about perhaps defending both belts. Um, so if he wins that light heavyweight, there's, there's not a whole rake of contenders there for him to fight. Like interesting contenders for me. 
like top of the the list there would be Glover Teixeira, who I do think deserves a title fight. Um, looking at his last couple of fights, and uh, he's turned his career around incredibly. So probably that, but um, there's not a whole lot jumping out there, and I don't think it's going to be John Jones, unfortunately, because a lot of people and myself, I'd love to see that fight, but I don't think John Jones is going to take that one at, at light heavyweight. What about you, PZ? Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Because I think everybody is just imagining that Adesanya wins, and the thing with Blahovic is he's a consummate underdog. Like he's been an underdog every single time, pretty much. Yeah, you know? yeah. And that's that's a really, really good advantage to have. Like, you know, in that scenario when you're fighting for my for my money, the greatest active fighter in the world at the moment, Adesanya, like nobody's expecting him to win. And if he goes mm. in and wins, you know, there is a lot of interesting contenders there. Yuri Prohaska, uh, Alexander Rakic. The problem is the guys that occupy one, two, three have all been in there with Blahovic already. Yeah. Um I, I think, I honestly think, and I'm sure Eugene Berman will disagree with me. I'm sure Adesanya will disagree with me. I honestly believe his move to 205 is the greatest troll job to John Jones I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I, I think he is that good that he was like, oh yeah, he's vacated the title. I'll go up and take it now. And That's a fair point. Like, I, I feel like Adesanya is going to try and fight Jones once he gets this title. I, I really, really do. And look, he's essentially cleared out middleweight. Like, that's, that's the situation. He's essentially cleared it out. He's bet Whitaker. He, he's beaten uh, Costa. The, I think the fight that a lot of people want is, is for Till and Adesanya to happen, but Till hasn't put it together at 185. He had the great wow. debut at Gaslam in the weight division, and then he loses to Robert Whitaker. He still has to build a long way to get to that title situation. Do I see Adesanya competing as a head, heavyweight? I don't. I don't think he's going to have to lose much weight at all to be at 205. It really just depends on what happens with John Jones, I feel. Like, I really, really feel that way. Um, I just don't feel like we get the best out of fighters when they try to simultaneously defend titles in both weight classes. I think it's a lot for your body to take. I know we don't have a lot of examples of that in uh, recent history, Daniel Cormier. But it's going to be a very, very tough puzzle to solve. And, um, yeah, I feel like Israel's doing it for John Jones. John Jones wants to fight a heavyweight. Will the UFC pay him? I mean, Adesanya and Jones is probably the biggest fight you can do in the sport, or Jones v. Ngannou, and Jones is the common multiple there. So I, I feel as though he does have a lot of bargaining power here, but it's just not that easy when people go to the negotiation table. Yeah, it's, it would be the biggest, like, F you to John Jones if he goes in there, beats him, and then says, John, I'm in your division now. Come fight me, and John won't do it. Like, it would look awful for John Jones. <laughs> So I can see, I, I can see that being in the back of uh, Izzy's mind, and he does seem like the type of guy who thinks about that kind of thing. Like he's a, like in, in certain ways, he's like I don't want to compare him to Connor, but he's like that big kind of picture guy who thinks about you know a couple of steps down the road. So I wouldn't be surprised. Like he's definitely, if he wins, he's definitely going to call out John Jones, isn't he? Like he has I just to. thought of, I just thought of how you could add a bit more spice to this troll job, <laughs> right? He yeah. goes in. And let's say he wins the fight against Jan Blahovic and he calls out the winner of Steep AV in Ganu. Oh. <laughs> Takes John Jones out of yeah. the picture. That would be phenomenal. That I would don't be think it's going to happen. I really don't, but I'm just saying, if, if we're just going for You're trolling here, that would You're be unbelievable. Yeah, that'd be great. Oh my gosh. All right. <laughs> I actually like that answer. That would be funny. <clears throat> so, all right. This is a two-part super chat from JP. Appreciate you five bucks. 
First part, I'm assuming, is directed towards you, Pete, so you'll know why in a second. So, But then the, he actually has a, a, a follow-up question for both of you. So first question, who is the most flexible man in MMA media? And then Jesus. also, what happens to women's featherweight if Nunez beats Anderson and retires before coming back to the division? So... Let's get the first one out of the way first. Get the camera on me here. <laughs> okay, wait. Let me, let me fold it. Can you give me the screen to myself? There you go. It's Thank all you. Much. It's all you. <laughs> one answer here, mate. You know it. That's who the most flexible man Holy is. Holy Jesus. In MMA media, right? Every single time. Don't forget it. <laughs> now, you're going to have to tell tell me the second question again because I have to mentally prepare myself for that as soon as I hear the words come out of your mouth. <laughs> take take a break. You just exerted yourself. So the actual question take was... Take a pull my pelvis. Yeah. <laughs> So the actual question was, what happens to women's featherweight if Nunez beats Anderson and retires before coming back to the division? So that oh, was gone. They they yeah. they want to get rid of that division too. Like I mean, we, we talked about this I think a couple of weeks ago. They won't make a 165 pound division that has at least 30 fighters asking for a 165 pound division. There are three people in the featherweight division. It makes absolutely no sense to have it there. Again, unless Kayla Harrison's going to come over and fight Amanda Nunes, I personally do believe there is some substance to this retirement thing. You know, uh, she's a recent mother. Um, I feel as though her, her status in the sport can't be knocked. I mean, I don't know how anyone couldn't see her as the greatest female fighter of all time. So it comes to a point where, like, what, what else do I need to prove here? So I think the retirement thing is genuine. The only way I see the 45 division holding up is if someone of Kay like Kayla Harrison comes over. So I don't think the future looks good for 145 at all, to be honest. Yeah, I completely agree. There's not too much to add to that. There's no, there's no guys or females there, my guys. Um, Kayla Harrison's the only one if she wants to find that division and sign with the UFC. As you said, there's, it's terrible. Like it's, let's be honest, there's, there's nobody there. It's not really a division. There's, they have some rankings, I think, uh, just because they need to have them. But yeah, just get rid of it. Yeah. All right. And then we got another super chat from Curry Neba, who is a regular. Good to see you. Um, $100, and I believe rupees is that currency. I've looked that up before, but they just said Holloway just called out Habib. What do you think of that? I have not had time to Google that, so I don't know if that call out is actually true. I do trust Curry. So if Holloway called mm -hmm. out Habib, what do you guys think about that? I mean, he just made the statement like he, he's Habib's done, right? Um, I mean, to be fair to Max, you know, he, he did take that fight on no notice and obviously didn't make it in the end. Uh, Habib yeah. ended up fighting Ali Aquinta. Um, he looked brilliant in his last fight. Habib has previous like Habib said after that fight that Max could go on to be the greatest fighter of all time. Hmm. There's clearly respect there. But does beating Max Holloway elongate Habib's legacy? That's what it comes down to. Yeah. And as much as I love the fight and I'd love to see it, I, I just really don't think it adds too much to his legacy, to be to be perfectly honest. And I love Max Holloway. I'm a huge Max Holloway fan. I just don't see how it enhances his legacy in the sport if he beats him. No, especially since Max went up to, to lightweight. He looked good, but lost. I think if That's it was true. the case where he was still the featherweight champ and then they were going to do it, fair enough. The only thing I will say is... If that thing was true that Habib said someone has to impress him and he'll come back, which I still don't know if that's actually true. It might have been Dana White just putting words into Habib's mouth. Absolutely. Max, Max did that. Like, I mean, his last fight was incredible. So if there's one guy that really stands out, it's probably him, Poirier, or maybe Chandler. But like the performance that Max Holloway put on was 
record breaking. It was amazing. So uh, I still think Habib should, like, he's going to stay retired and he probably should stay retired. Like, he clearly doesn't want to fight anymore. So let, just leave the guy alone, Dana. Leave him alone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the most beautiful um, exit from the sport we've ever seen, really. An emotional yeah. farewell. People are sick of hearing me talk about this. I don't know why we aren't going. Like, that's great. Um, what a beautiful way to do it. And the thing is, the spectacular thing that Dana White wanted that night could have been any kind of Conor McGregor victory. That's all oh, he yeah, wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it had been a 25-minute fight where one punch was thrown, he would have been like, well, there we go. We got to have it. Everybody's asking me, what would happen again if Conor fought Habib? But nobody's really asking that question. It just made a lot of money. So yeah. I think that was the only spectacular thing he wanted that night because Chandler was absolutely unbelievable. And mm. not just in his performance, in the way he carried himself all week, he was absolutely unbelievable. And then you have Poirier come out and put on that performance. Like hitting McGregor with techniques he hasn't seen before, even though we have seen them before when we've been watching fights. You got two spectacular things. Um, absolutely no reason. Um, if that was what he needed, he got it and he isn't coming back. So I think, I think we've just got to let the guy enjoy his life, to be honest. Um, yeah. It's just every week we're going to be talking about this. Like, I feel like we have been talking about it nearly every week since October. Uh, yeah, but I, yeah. I literally think it's got brought up at least by somebody at a chat, a super chat, some way. So it was probably me most of the time. So apologies, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll forgive you this time. So, um, all right, we got one more super chat, then we'll jump back into the general chat. I just want to get these knocked out. So Wilma Dickfit. Nice name. This is a question for you, Rob, <laughs> actually. They asked, where did you get your poster frames at? So I'll put you full screen. Where did you get your frames at? I think it was Ikea. Ikea. Hey! Ikea. Gotta Special love, place. Gotta love the Ikea. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know if I told you this before, but um, the only times of, of nearly broke up when we misses of over 10 years is when we've gone to Ikea. <laughs> like literally and you can only go one way around it so you can't like just go off in another direction and have a bit of a tantrum you just stuck yeah. together just listen i want that fucking chest of drawers you're not getting them yeah <laughs> that kind of stuff yeah present place but it hurts my soul but they do nice meatballs what can you do i never had the meatballs oh funny enough I i've been okay many times i never had the meatballs they're amazing it was yeah. the settlement tantrum. I was like a bald child. She had to bring me over. <laughs> the corner. There, PT. You have some fucking meatballs. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> fucking baby. I really am. So I've seen this question actually a few times, and I think I just Googled it. MMA Junkie just put out an article literally an hour ago about this. So Monster Milkman and Wilma again just asked, what do you guys think of um, Valentina versus Andrade, which just got confirmed as a title fight for 261? I don't know if that's old news. Really like this it. is news to me. I just saw the article. So you guys got some thoughts on that? I really, really like it. I think Andrade looked absolutely fantastic in her debut in the weight class against Chukagian. I think she's brilliant. She's a little savage. And she's not the type of person you can just stand in front of and, and tee off on. Like, she is a dog. And and she hits like a hammer. You've seen it so many times. I think the, the most masterful performance we probably saw uh, against Andrade was when Joanna was able to just jab her, just jabbed her, jabbed her, jabbed her. It was really masterful now when you look back in hindsight and seeing what Andrade has done. Um, I think obviously Van Valentina will be favored as she should be. I think we're probably going to have to see her employ a lot of those clinch trips that she used against Joanna. But um, I, I really like it. I, I feel like 
Andrade presents an obvious threat and our absolute disastrous KO power. So I think that's a really interesting challenge for Valentina Shevchenko and probably one of the most interesting we've seen in a while, probably since Joanna. Yeah, and I think uh, I think you hit her right in the head there. I think the style is probably what makes her so good because she hasn't really fought somebody who will really push her like that. Even Joanna isn't that kind of fighter who's going to push the fight and be on the front for. She's kind of a counter-striker herself or she at least likes to stay off um, and stay at range. So with Jessica Andrade, she's going to push the fight and she's going to make Valentina at least defend some takedowns, some clinch strikes. And it could be very interesting. It's definitely the best matchup I think you can make for probably outside of, if you want to do that Amanda Nunes fight again. Um, but even outside of that, I think it's, um, or even including that, I think it's probably one of the more interesting ones because she's going to push her. Definitely. I like it. I like it a lot. You like it a lot? Yeah. I like it a lot. All right, great. So chat, like I said, we, we're still, we're actually moving pretty, I feel like we zoomed through Kumite today. So if you guys have any more questions, pop them in the chat right now. I'm kind of reading them as we go and, Kind of throwing them to Rob and PC. Rob, PC, you guys have anything you guys want to discuss kind of off the cuff right now or want me to keep scouring the comment section? I've seen someone ask about Dan Barry a few times. I'd like to hear PC's thoughts on that. What's our thoughts on Dan Barry? Yeah, Dean Barry is signing kind of came out of nowhere. I'll be honest, yeah. I was hearing about it for a long, long time before it was made official. Um, I was even hearing about opponents and stuff, to be honest. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I wasn't all that shocked to hear it. Look, the guys... Is, a really, really impressive striker. He is mm. relatively untested from the likes of fighters we usually see go from uh, Ireland and the UK. Usually they're in double figures in terms of the tests they've had. Uh, Dean is still very early on in his career, but he has a massive uh, point scoring kickboxing background. And to be honest, like I have seen some negative sentiment about it, but I don't see a problem with it. The guy has a very flashy style. He has definite knockout power. I actually even am impressed by the, the takedown defense I've seen from him since the Anthony Pretty Boy Taylor fight. So, you know, I think uh, I'm excited. I'm always excited to see an Irishman get in there. And we've had a, a poor run of late. I mean, a lot of people forget the golden years we had when we had eight, nine fighters signed. And people used to be booing the likes of Kyle Pendred, who was on a 4-0 and streak in the UFC. We would give our legs to have a fighter <laughs> on a 4-0 and streak in the UFC now. I mean, it's been a long, long time since we've even got a win in there. Like, I mean, yeah. this is from where it was to what it is now. It's a big shift. And look, I hope Dean gets in there and does the job. Um, it's it's a big step up. That's the one thing that's absolutely inevitable about this. Going from where Dean was to where he will be in the UFC is a huge step up. I thought Mike Jackson was an excellent debut. You couldn't really ask for a better debut for him. But the fights are going to really, really increase in terms of difficulty after that. Uh, I don't yeah. know if uh, Mike Jackson is still the opponent. I see Dean has announced that um, he signed a fight deal recently. I don't know who that's against. I honestly don't. But, um, yeah, very excited. He has a beautiful kicking technique. Um, he, he knows Stephen Wonderboy Thompson quite well, as far as I know, because they both come from the same background. So, yeah, yeah, very excited. And I don't understand the negative sentiment in Ireland. I mean, we should all be rooting for each other. Yeah, like I think the only, not negative thing, but the thing you could say is, is it going to be too early for him? And that's a question he's going to answer. I mean, he has looked good in his last couple of fights and I think it still is Mike Jackson, if topology is correct. And as you said, that's a good matchmaking. That's a, it's definitely a winnable fight and it's a fight we'll, he'll get, to, get his foot in the door and we'll see what he's made of and then he'll go from there. It's going to get tougher from there, of course. Like Mike Jackson is like bottom of the barrel in that division and probably in the UFC. But um, yeah, it's going to like, 
he is though come here to, to be fair <laughs> um but yeah we'll see we'll see how it goes but here's the thing like i think this isn't said enough when the ufc sign a guy and he has a record like that like you know he, he's still in his tentative years within the sport the onus is on them to match him correctly the onus yeah. is them to build him as a product like Bellator do that so well. When they get a guy who's talented, obviously they've done it terribly with Aaron Pico and terribly with probably Ricky Valdez. But I mean, if the onus is on you. If you're bringing in a guy that early in his career, I think you do have to settle him into things. Look how badly they were. They they managed Reese McKee. You put him in yeah. there against the best prospect in the world in Hamzat Shimoyev. And what does he get after that? After stepping up on a week's notice to fight, to fight legitimately the best prospect we've seen in the sport in many, many years... And they sent him in, he, he gets put away in a round, and then they put him in against a 10-fight UFC veteran. He goes the distance with him, puts on an amazing showing, it's a very entertaining fight, and then you're gone. That, to yeah. me, is just so silly. I just don't understand that. For love nor money, I don't understand why you're bringing Reese McKee into the organization, a guy everyone's excited about in the UK and Ireland, and just match him so poorly. So I, I think the onus is on them to uh, give give Dean a good uh, a good entry into the sport, and then... Let him let him go against the names of the division. Let him go into the savages of the division. But when you're signing the guy that early, you guys have to understand that it's a different story than say signing a Cage Warriors champion like Nathaniel Wood or Conor McGregor or anything like that. It's very different. Yeah, I completely agree. Nice. All right, we got a super chat from Nathan Andrews. Um, again, four dollars and ninety nine cents. Appreciate it. Uh, Nathan asked, what is going on with women's strawweight? It's been a year since Whaley versus Joanna, and there's no news on the next title fight. So we kind of talked about featherweight earlier. So what do you guys think about the strawweight division right now? Do you see that fight, first of all? They both really tried in there, all right? Like, I mean, I, I don't mind what's going on at strawweight. They nearly killed themselves in there for our entertainment. It's one of the greatest three fights months. ever. Get them in. Three months, get them in there, max. <laughs> you know, I, I understand, right? Like, we... We love, I love Joanna. I love Wiley. I think they're amazing. I think they're brilliant athletes. I think they're two savages. Just absolutely unbelievable. I'll never forget watching that fight. I was at a wedding. It was like five o'clock in the morning and there was just screams everywhere. People who didn't even watch UFC are going crazy watching this fight. It's one of those paradigm shifting moments where, you know, people who aren't familiar with the sport are seeing two female athletes doing this and it's blowing their minds. It's one of the greatest fights ever. Um, let them calm down. I want to see these guys at their best when they come back, both of them. Um, I, I feel like it's champion 1A and 1B. Joanna is the, one of the greatest European fighters we've ever had. She is just, she's a queen of the sport in the, on this continent. And yeah. the next time I see her in there, I want to know that she's in great health. We all saw her face after that. Like, that couldn't have been easy to, to get back to action after that. I know she's been training in ATT. Um, you know, when they're ready, they'll be back. Like, there's no doubt about it. I spoke to Joanna maybe two or three times since that fight. And, and she is, she genuinely can't wait to fight again. She has no, com she's having no conversations about retirement as far as I know. But um, look, let them have their time. The, it, again, these are, these are good opportunities for the rest of the division to find a bona fide contender. Um, so I think it's good in that way. Obviously, we want to see the, the title being up for grabs. But after a fight like that, I don't think you can put too much onus on the division being rushed, get the champion back. It's just, it's just the nature yeah. of the beast. I remember saying that um, Wiley was supposed to headline UFC 261, I think it is, but that's now Valentina defending against Andrade. So I wonder if they're going to do a double title fight and put her on that, if that's still the plan. 
Um, and then they were obviously talking about Rose Namajunas, who apparently said she wasn't sure if she wanted a title fight, which is kind of understandable after her last, when she lost the belt and she was kind of like, I'm actually relieved. I don't have the belt anymore. Um, but yeah, I agree with you, PT. Like, let them rest. But if it's UFC 261, that's in a couple of months. Grant, two months. Let's see Whaley in there against somebody. I do I do just want to say I think that Rose thing was a Danaism. I think it was one of those oh, things yeah. that Dana says and then her team quickly come out and be like, No, she does want to fight for the title. So yeah, I <laughs> just um but like when you when you look at the division, like Rose is obviously the natural number one there. Um Carla I still well feel as though we, we could be a bit more excited about what, what's going on in the rest of the division. Um so yeah, I just I just feel like there's still a lot of things that need to happen before we're we're knocking down the the door and saying like, well, why isn't the champion defending their title? Clearly, mm. isn't defending her title because she gave away years of her life in that fight with Yon. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear Lord! All right, I saw a question from Vansko. Saw it a little while ago. So they asked, uh, "Why do you think the UFC is shying away from the notion of Usman versus Wonderboy? Dana won't even mention him." I don't think we've covered that today. I thought that was a pretty good question. So, you know, want to give us some input on that one? I mean, they've been away from Leon Edwards fighting for a title and he's on an eight-fight win streak. I mean, yeah, that's the Wonderboy situation. I, I don't really think anyone's shying away from it. It's just not something that I've heard a lot of people jumping up and down about. Mm. Yeah. Um, I like. I think I'd love to see Wonderboy get a title fight before he calls it quits again, 100%. because he had those two really close fights. At least one of them were really close anyway against Tyron Woodley, and I think maybe that soured the UFC a little bit on him. But I don't know. I think he'll get one. Um, next probably not, but uh, like his last performance too was excellent. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's in there after one or two more. Do you know what they should do, Rob? They should um, instead of giving him a title fight. They should match him with Hamzat Shemaev and then remove him from the rankings and fire him if he doesn't take the fight. That's what that's what seems to be the policy for guys who should be fighting for titles. Yeah, fair. <laughs> All right, chat. Same thing. Keep on putting some questions in. Zach Batista, who's a regular. Good to see you again, as always, Zach. <clears throat> they said rank. <laughs> Zach, I think this is you guys. Rank the top five Irish people. And I don't think they're talking about in the sport. I think they're just talking about in general. So that was a well, funny. Well, we're in there, right? <laughs> number one would be probably Fedor Emelianenko. Number two, um, probably John Jones. Three. I mean, who else have you got there, Rob? Oh, um, Valentina Shevchenko, of course, from Bray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, yeah. Did you say Whaley Zhang? Oh, yeah, of course. Cabra. Yeah. Can't, can't leave yeah. her out. Uh, oh, shoot. and Julian Marquez, who we just recently found out was Irish. So that, that'd be my top five rounded out, I'd say. There you go. It's a solid, it's a solid list. So there you go, Zach. The there's, missile there's... crisis. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, here's actually a question. We actually discussed this. Um, I'm pretty sure, yeah, PT obviously been on the chats for a few weeks. But someone did ask, what do you guys think of the Bellator Grand Prix? So, Rob, I haven't heard your thoughts, but I know PT and Jason kind of talked about that a few weeks ago. But, yeah, if PT, if you got more thoughts on that, Rob, what do you kind of think about that? Because they announced that, I think, was that like two weeks ago? I think they announced that three. Has it been that long? Yeah. So we can yeah, yeah. I mean, they have the guys there now to do it, don't they? Uh, Bellator. Like, that's a, a really solid division now, that light heavyweight division. Um, and I think they're right in matching up um, 
uh, Yal Romero and Anthony Johnson at the beginning because we've been stung by this in the past where we want to see the fight happen and they put them on two different sides of the bracket assuming they'll make it to the finals and then it just doesn't happen. So I like the the kind of matchmaking they've done at the start of it. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. The only thing with these tournaments now that they're, we're not in Japan and we're not having them over the course of like a couple months or even one night um, is that sometimes they drag on just too long and you know, it almost doesn't feel like a tournament anymore. It just feels like random matchmaking that you could have just made anyway. So uh, once it goes smoothly, um, I think it'd be good. And there's some solid fights there. I mean, as I said, that Romero-Anthony Johnson fight is incredible. That's the fight that we wanted to see and they're making it straight away. I think it's good. I like it. Yeah, I, th- I think Bellator are doing really well, to be quite honest. Um you know, this year they've started off really strong. They announced a deal with Showtime. They've announced a deal with the iPlayer, the BBC iPlayer, yeah. which is really groundbreaking stuff in this part of the world. Um, as well as that, like, I know it's controversial in terms of media members being involved. I was asked or declined to be involved in the ranking situation. Um, but that will give us far more kind of clear views of what's happening in these divisions. Will it intercept their ability to slowly build prospects? Because if prospects start showing up in the... In the rankings, people are going to be saying, well, put them against the guys they're ranked besides. You know, that's what we're going to yeah. want to see. So I'm interested to see how that happens. But I love these tournaments. I think it's it's their staple in the major sp- sport in the in the Western world. It's what they've become very good at. It's pure sport. We want to see the best yeah. guy in the division, and that's what it's going to do. And I also think the fact that they've set up that um, Johnson-Romero fight beside the Nemkov-Davis fight... I think yeah. that that is them seeing like we can make a star out of Nemkov here. Nemkov is yeah. one of the best two oh fivers in the world for my money. He's my favorite to win it. And if he's going through a guy like Yal Romero or Anthony Johnson to get there, it's gonna make him a far bigger deal by the time the final comes around. So I think that's actually a bit of a stroke of genius from Bellator. That's actually I didn't actually think about that. That's a good point because as I said, if you put them on opposite sides of the brackets, the fights you want to see, you might not see them. But also, if you don't match correctly, maybe you won't get that big name fighting the guy you want to build. So I think that's that's a, a great point. And with Bellator doing this, I do think they have to differentiate themselves from the UFC. And I think these tournaments are that. And the fact that they're not like old Bellator where that's all they do, I think that's good because they can still do the regular matchmaking, the usual thing, but then have these on top of it. Um, I think it's really good. And it's also different from PFL, which is like technically a tournament but like a weird point system thing but yeah i i really like it uh, as i said um just hopefully it goes smoothly and you don't have like loads of alternates coming in and and all that all that crack yeah yeah but the worst thing that could probably happen is phil davis beats nemkov in the first oh, round and then it's just a ufc tournament yeah. 10 years yeah. ago <laughs> yeah. just break it up lads we'll, we'll just yeah oh. it will be the first veterans league ufc tournament <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> These guys should have retired years ago. (laughs) All right, here's a here's a fun, easy question for both of you. So Clayton Martin asked your favorite UFC event of all time. Simple question. We'll give you all a few seconds to think about it. Mine are like sentimental ones um, that I was at. You know what I mean? Like it's either um, UFC 189 uh, McGregor. And Mendez, which was a like obviously had Robbie Lawler and Rory McDonald on it as well. But the reason why it's special to me is for so long I was like one of two Irish people that might have been at these events, or one of two Irish publications at, at the events. And suddenly I'm looking around press row and it's all the biggest names in the Irish media are there. And the event delivers in such a resounding way. 
And um, I know you guys won't know him uh, because we're very much in the MMA bubble, but Ken Early, who's a brilliant journalist from Ireland, um, he is the host of the Second Captain's Podcast, which is a brilliant podcast. Um, I can remember I, I, I shouted over to him at the end of Robbie Lawler and Rory McDonald, and I was like, what did you think of that? And he was like, that was a religious experience, and I'll never forget that. Um, so I think that one obviously is very special, and of course, the, the famous... UFC fight night Dublin with McGregor v Brandao because that was the first time I kind of felt like well now I won't have to explain what I do for a living every time anyone asks like they're, they're gonna actually know what this is now because it was such a big deal in the country and um, the world gets to see what McGregor means to the Irish people and from then on I believe he went from being an Irish commodity to an international commodity as soon as he knocked out Dustin Poirier off to the races but um yeah, sentimental things for me more so than um, amazing events, even though they both were amazing events. Yeah. Yeah, like I can echo both of those uh, or all of those picks as well. And like the Dublin one was excellent because it was like one of the first, not first UFC events, but it was one of the, the UFC events where like the crowd was like almost a part of it, um, especially when you're when you're actually there. Um, and I remember Ariel Hawani talking about it, saying it was like a, a weird experience that he's never, never really had before. Yeah, that guy. The, yeah, um, but um, like UFC 100 always comes back. I know it's kind of a lot of people talk about that, but it's it is an excellent event. If you go back and rewatch it, it's probably not as it probably doesn't age as well as it was when it was on. Um, but there was something about it. Um, GSP putting on that amazing performance against Alves, um, and then even the main event with Brock Lesnar like punching Frank Mir's face through the cage. It was it was it was an excellent event. Um. But yeah, all the ones you said were excellent too. There's some good ones out there. At UFC 100, I was doing, um, I was working at a festival. I think I was doing like a, you know, like standing around security job thing. Yeah. And whatever Twitter. happened, it was the Saturday night. So it's the last night everyone's staying on the campsite and shit went mental. So we're meant to be off at like 12, ended up getting off at 4 a.m. And and loads of people leave on the Saturday night too. So I'm stuck like getting out of the venue for an hour. By the time I get home, Brock Lesnar and Frank Mir is just starting. And I have to go in an hour anyway. So I was like, I may as well stay up. I didn't even sleep. Just yeah. watch the fight and then head it off again. So, uh, yeah, amazing. Amazing. That one, that one would wake you up, though, that Brock Lesnar performance. Jesus Christ. And the post-fight speech more yeah. so than anything. That was the one yeah. I'm going to go and get a Coors Light, wasn't it? Yeah, and then get on top of my wife or something like that, wasn't yeah. it? And I was feeling exactly the same way, only I wasn't married. <laughs> well i learned something new every time we do these chats <laughs> all right we got a question from our boy howard tran good to see you as always <laughs> he prefaced this is an easy question but he asked what is the least competitive division in the ufc and he said you can name more than one so ufc uh, women's featherweight division <laughs> beat me to it <laughs> Say, kinda... I knew you were coming, so I was like, I'm getting in quick. <laughs> you could probably say flyaway too, apart from Andrade. I think that's a decent challenge for Valentina, but outside of that, like, who's going to challenge Valentina there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the... I think that they're the most obvious, to be honest. What do you think is yeah. the uh, least competitive? Uh, and maybe men's. middleweight as well, just based on the dominance of Adesanya. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just... I guess the women's divisions are are not that competitive. What are you trying like, to say, Rob? What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say the women's divisions. Are, um, I, I'm trying to say the women's divisions aren't that competitive. Like if you look at the Amanda Sexy. Nunes, um, the the bantamweight division. I mean, 
Like, who's there? Who's going to be Amanda Nunes unless she, like, like, slips on a banana peel? Where's that dude in the comments, that girl's friends fights, and he's always like, she's going to get the title. That guy's missus, whatever her name is. Yep. He's usually in the He's usually in the chat. Is he not there today? I don't I don't recognize. Who? Who is it? Who's the girlfriend? Remember the fella that was getting annoyed with me because he was saying uh, he pissed off. We were oh, we were too busy pissing ourselves laughing to really take much note of it. But uh, was that the day? Looked at the chat and he was fucking snapping. Was That's that hilarious. was that last week when we were? No, it was like we had a few it was like people my second at us. week on the show or something. Oh, okay, so it was a while back. Yeah, yeah, we uh, we've had a few uh, moments like that where people are opinionated, <laughs> which is fine. You can have your opinion. Uh, cool. So let's move it on chat. What questions do you guys have? And again, Rob Pete, if you guys have a topic and want to interrupt me, I'm just trying to keep it rolling and making sure we give the chat a little bit of attention. I'm trying to think the chat's yeah, actually talking up. between themselves a lot, which is cool. So I'm trying to find a question. Um, who should Dan Hardy fight? He's thinking about coming back. I don't know about that. So if that's a topic you guys want to run with, feel free. I mean, he's been thinking about coming back since he left. So, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to get up for it, to be honest. Um, yeah. I really like Dan as well. It's just, I mean, it, you know, just do it or don't, I guess. You know, it's yeah. I'd look, like if I could pick, I'd put him in there with Nick Diaz. Um, I think both guys have been away for a long time. Nick's obviously had some pretty um, big issues he's been dealing with as well. So... I think that would be a very entertaining fight for people. I think Dan would be excited about it. I don't know if Nick would be excited about it, but yeah. I think that would be a good fight. Yeah, it's like find somebody who hasn't been very active, as you said, like if it's a Nick Diaz or someone like that. Um, but to be honest, for me, like Dan Hardy right now, he's a commentator and he's an excellent commentator and I, I just prefer him to stay as a commentator. Um, I don't have a huge interest to see him fight again. Um, I liked him when he was fighting. He was a very good fighter, but... Uh, keep doing what you're doing at the moment because you're you're excellent at it yeah he's brilliant he really is yeah. he's quality and um i think himself and adam and nick have done a great job with with bt sport they've really transformed it into a real powerhouse over here um, yeah more so than ever so yeah i mean i don't know what like what, what are the chat saying are they buzzing for dan hardy to come back or like we wrong about this are we reading this wrong like maybe it's a u.s uh, Europe thing. I mean, no. are, are you guys kind of would that would would the world explode if 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 Dan Hardy's return fight would was announced? The only comments I've seen is once someone said Nick over Dan, I'm um, assuming Diaz, and then someone said I don't want to see Dan in the ring. So yeah, I yeah, I think we nailed it. <laughs> Zach said Dan Hardy feels sixty years old. <laughs> JP said, "Hey, nah, I'm good." <laughs> <laughs> Howard said yes the world would explode. He's probably just talking Jeez. about in general though. If it means You better explode proof your house. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I think yeah, I would say the chat's probably I don't think Yeah. They're not bored so, for it. Yeah, that's that's the feeling I get. I mean, I guess the first time it's been it, it was mentioned, I think there was a lot more interest. Yeah. I think the more and more it's being toyed with and nothing happens. It's like McGregor's return after the Mayweather fight, right? Like, the first couple of times, everyone was like, yeah, he's coming back. And then, like, ah, just come back whenever, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're waiting on you, man. Just come on. There's a good question there. the excitement glands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a good question there from Blasi and Ray. Do you think the upcoming Venom deal will finally be the return of the unique fight kits? I think they, they have a footing in MMA. Like, they've yeah. been around the sport for so long. 
and they've done personalized stuff a lot like i mean i, I can remember a lot of fighters had their own kind of thing going with venom um so that's the type of thing i'd love to see unfortunately i think the ufc want that kind of uniform look because they want the ufc to be the star they want dana to be the star they don't want these fighters becoming bigger than the brand because then you know they're gonna want a lot more money um we've seen it with the likes of connor when he like rousey all these people Um, I really hope they do let it be unique and and let a bit of flair be added to it because that's what it's missing. Like this is why we love covering the sport. These are wild, wild people. You know, this yeah. is not like um, soccer or, or American football where you're ringing their agent and their agent's coming back to you and telling you what questions to ask. These people are so interesting. You don't get into a sport to be um, a plain Jane, like a plain John, whatever you want to call it. Like. You let them be interesting. It's going to make more people come to the sport. Like, look at why Izzy so big at the moment. He He's kind of getting cultures and bringing them to the sport, like the anime people, the breakdancing people, all of this stuff. That's what makes him such a lightning rod for the sport. I think the more unique you allow the fighters to be, the more attention they can get from subcultures that will come into our culture. So that's just how I feel about it. I am confident that it will be better. How much better? I don't know. Yeah, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect it to be that much better. But like I was thinking about writing something on that as well about uh, Izzy. Like I was thinking, like why is Izzy so popular, or why do we like him? And I do think the fact that he's very unique and he's kind of bringing a new thing to MMA with the anime stuff and um, like even like you see the stuff that he does be wearing and training, like all his shorts, they're they're deadly looking. They're so much better than the UFCs. Um, but like I was reading uh, John McCarthy's book before and he was talking about the early UFC when Zufa took over and one of the big pivots that they done from um, SEG was that they started to promote the, the promotion more than the fighters because they knew that the fighters were not disposable, but they'd come and go. So they put more resources into actually promoting the UFC as a, as a product. And I think they've always stuck to that over the years. They've never really strayed away from it, apart from like Ronda Rousey and like their big stars like Connor. It's it, the UFC is forced, and even with those, the UFC is forced. But they don't put a whole lot of resources into actually showcasing the fighters themselves as individuals. And I, I think that's a, I think that's a bad idea. I think they they really should. I think they can do both at the same time. Um, and I really do hope that Venom brings something else because. You know, everyone remembers Chuck Liddell's shorts. Everyone remembers TORT's shorts. And, Pink one, um, right? Yeah. The, the flames on, on Chuck Liddell. But um, <laughs> everyone, everyone remembers Dennis Hallman's Speedo. And, like, why can't we get more of that, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, like, the thing is, like, we're, we're talking about the UFC not liking this. Like, Israel has said that amazing routine he did uh, before the fight in Melbourne. I was lucky enough to be at that fight. The UFC didn't want him to do that. I know. Like it's those are the reasons why he and Neymar, Neymar, the biggest soccer player in the world, are announced as as two of the big forerunners in that Puma deal when they signed it. Like it's stuff like that that makes him who he is, that makes him break down boundaries for the sport. And, and they don't want him to do it. It's insane to me. So that's that's the one part of me that's like, you know, it might not be Venom that can't get it across the line in terms of how unique they want this to be. It might be the UFC's call, you know? I I know for certain that Reebok don't want to touch this sport with a barge pole ever again (laughs) after the ordeal they've had. But again, was the whole uniform thing uh, the same as the USADA thing where they brought it in to up the value of the the brand? 
yeah. like now that they have sold the brand for nearly five billion or whatever will they go all right let's go back to you know giving a bit of flair to these guys letting them be a bit more unique i personally um i'm pessimistic on that but it would be great to see it yeah i'm very pessimistic about it <laughs> we're irish we're, we're naturally pessimistic yeah I know. cynical <laughs> Yeah. Is that part of y'all's culture? I was unaware of that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, big part, yeah. We, we basically die of just hating ourselves. <laughs> and then one day, we'll die. Yeah. Represent. What happened to all? Started hating himself there last week, and that was the end of it. Sure, <laughs> right, lad. So El Laliet, which is an OG, always good to see you, asked, will there ever be a heavyweight in the UFC able to beat Stipe's title defense record, consecutive and yeah, it's overall? Yeah, like isn't it? Who? I mean, it's the, yeah. least, it's the, <laughs> the easiest one to beat, probably. So, I mean, yeah. Apparently not a heavyweight, though, because nobody has been able to do it. Um, yeah, like ever? Yeah, it's got to be, right? Someone has to do it eventually. Yeah. Like, I, I think Stipe is great and all, but it's just the number isn't that crazy, you know? Yeah. No. Yeah. Sometime. Someone asked that anybody try Nando's. Yes, yeah. I tried Nando's. I just saw that. I didn't even know what that. I don't even know what that is. Educate us, Rob. <laughs> it's chicken. It's is a it, chicken it restaurant. Like a, it's a restaurant. Okay. I didn't know if it was like a <laughs> style of food Here, or. Here's the thing, right? Nando's is great and all, but it's very expensive for what it is. It's yeah, like a yeah. pita bread, some chicken, few leaves. And then multiple sauces and a bit of rice. Yeah. I mean, it's nice. Don't get me wrong. But much. don't get yourself too hyped up. I can remember the first time I went, it came to Blanche represent. And I went in <laughs> and I was like, this is going to change my life. And I was like, it's just fucking spicy chicken, me. <laughs> Why am I paying this lad 30 quid for this? Yeah. <laughs> and the potatoes are microwavable as well. I found out the other here, day. Here, Nando's, I actually have a bit of beef. Me and Elaine, my missus, were there one day. And they give you the, the rice in this little kind of terracotta bowl. And I'm eating away, obviously, just as soon as the food comes, stop looking at whoever's there and just whack it in. And <laughs> Elaine had a piece of the bowl in her rice. And I was like, hang on a second, mate, what the fuck? And then they just took it and gave us a new one. And they're like, yeah, we'll be back to sort that out soon. We just left and forgot all about it. But um, yeah, dangerous. Nando's, send me money or else I'll keep talking. Bowl. I'm going to keep going, Nando's. Did you say a piece of broken bowl was in the in the thing? Yeah, yeah. I should have got to eat it, right? I should have been like, get that yeah. into you. And then her eternal bleeding would have got us a million or something. That would have been great. Yeah. So, so that's my advice. If you're ever in Nando's and you get a piece of plate in your rice, make sure the person who's got it eats it, nearly dies, because then you're going to make a lot of money, my friends. That's <laughs> what we call a lawsuit. So two things real quick. Ryan Coates, as always, the OG as well. 499 Super Chat. Love you, lads. Love you too as well. You the man. And actually, we we do have a special guest today. We said this off air that this will be the day that Jason's not here and we, we get a special guest come in. But Jason oh is actually the special guest today. He's in the chat oh right now. God. He said he just Look woke up. Face did he choose. Yeah. What, <laughs> he chose the wisdom tweet procedure. I think he meant tooth procedure. So Jason, <laughs> Jason actually got his, uh, his wisdom teeth removed today. And yeah, I think he's still a little high because he says, just woke up from yeah, wisdom tweet procedure. So <laughs> that's, how, uh, that's how Jason did Well, glad you survived, Jason. Good to see you. Glad you're Jason, in the chat. Jason, we, we were discussing before you could join us today. 
uh, about how you've got your face amputated and you're able to choose anyone's face in the world to put on your face now in place of your old face. This is like a poem. Um, I'm just wondering, could you tell us whose face you've chosen? Uh, who do you look most like in the world now? Uh, we're all very intrigued. Yes. <laughs> hopefully we can, uh, hopefully we'll get an answer on that here soon. Mm. But no, that's good. All right, he's awake. So yeah, that was, that was quicker than I thought. Actually, I didn't know he was gonna be finished this early. I thought like a face amputation would be weeks out. To be honest, but that's amazing. Yeah, that's dude. Well yeah. The the quick turnaround. technology is just getting insane. So <laughs> all right, let's get let's get back on track. Let's get back into the chat. Um, do 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 do. Steve B said there needs to be more managers that negotiate on behalf of the fighters. I think that's part of the problem. I. Th- don't huh? what problem yeah i'm trying to figure out what that was in context to Here, here's the issue with, with mma management in general they have they have like a roster of fighters there right yeah and you know if you're going to play hardball with the ufc for one fighter they're going to carry that into negotiations for every other fighter so yeah. it's a weird situation where like say in football uh you know soccer in, in england like, the agents are just absolutely belligerent. Like, no, this is what we want. If we don't get this, we're going. They can't do that in our sport because there's nowhere else to go. So you have to keep three, three, four relationships good. You have to keep your relationship with Scott Coker good. You have to keep your Dana White relationship good. And, you know, maybe Shatry, someone like that. You can't really throw your rattle out of the pram and say, well, we're going because there's nowhere else to go. So it's yeah. a really interesting section of management that MMA has because of that. Like, I mean, you can't really play hardball as hard as you'd want because you've got all these other guys that are relying on your relationship with the UFC to make things happen too. I just, you know, I see a lot of MMA managers sometimes throwing darts at media members. Like that's, that's the big issue for management as far as I'm concerned. It's the same as like with MMA, it all comes down to like, there's nowhere else for anybody to go anyway. Like there's a couple of promotions, a few promotions that have, they can realistically be in to, to be a professional fighter and actually make a living off it. So like, I mean, it all comes down to that, the, the competition of it all. So even if you have a good manager, what's he negotiating about? Where's, where's the leverage? It's not there. So, um, yeah. Unionize. I was, oh yeah. I was literally about to say someone actually did ask if there will ever be a fire union, which we discussed. That PT, correct me if I'm wrong, that was last week, one of the Kumite yeah. topics. So, actually, uh, who said that? Kiss Tofa. If you actually are curious about that, go to our videos and watch the live chat from literally one week ago. In the Kumite section at the start, we actually had Jason and PT break down that whole topic about the uh, the fighters union and fighter pay and all that. So. Actually, it was a really good segment, so I'm glad you asked that, because if you're curious, you should go back um, next week. And same person, Kiss, actually said, should they put in a fight number limit on contracts? So I think you two... They already do. Oh, they do? So I, did, I didn't know that. Is it just... Yeah. They, they usually do. Like, I mean, obviously, you want to negotiate as little as you can, right? Like, you want to have, like, a two-fight deal, but usually for UFC, it's three, four... Um, and, and the thing is, like, the silly thing about these contracts is it stops when they want it to stop. Just because yeah. you sign for four fights doesn't mean you're staying for four fights. If you lose two fights, two of your first fights on, on the four-fight contract, you're gone. So the contract only really means something from the UFC's point of view. It doesn't mean shit to the fighter. Yeah, that was, is... that's one of the most ridiculous things. I Like, when I realized that actually was a thing, that I have signed a four-fight UFC contract, but, like, they just throw you out when they don't want you. It's, 
it's insane. Like a contract should be a contract. We'll give you four fights. If you lose all four, you're gone. Fair enough. But like they should really stick. If you get four fights, you should you should have to be paid for those four fights. It's mad. Unionize. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have come full circle back to the unionize. Uh, so Jason <laughs> is blowing up the chat so glad you're here howard just said yo jason is a fucking savage he said he's jason said he's high as balls so <laughs> he's he is doing uh what rob as we suspected yeah it's like yeah. pizza on the night. <laughs> so actually i'm glad to hear he's all right man yeah no it's actually it's just really good like i said i didn't think he's gonna be kind of finished this quick so same thing chat we we usually wrap around this well, time for finishing quick our jason do what they said he's well known for finishing quick, Jason. Oh, <laughs> shots fired! Bang, bang, baby. He's probably uh, he's pro- oh, he just said he could take Ngani right now. Dana, <laughs> let's make it happen. <laughs> we got, we have another YouTuber crossover. We wanna, we wanna propose to you, <laughs> Jason the Jason Hartley versus Francis Ngana. <laughs> so chat, we like I said, we usually wrap around this time, so we'll give it about five, ten more minutes. So get some questions in. Uh, Zach actually, OG just said last question, every MMA on point member in an open weight Grand Prix, who wins? So me, PT, you win. That was quick. 100%. See his flexibility. That rubber guard must be. That is true. Actually. I'm from Blanchardstown, mate. We don't lose. We never lose anything. I'm fighting every day in my life. I'm from town. All these lads, they wouldn't last a second more world. I've sent some videos to these lads from around this area and they're like, Fuck that. They don't want to see me cut loose. <laughs> so, actually, Big Beat Visual, who, yes, is an editor for us, he just said, you boys are going down. So. Big V, listen, it's not the size of the dog. What is that line? <laughs> it's, it's, it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Oh, my gosh. How many fights as big as Texas? Yeah, Jason said Balian maybe, and then he said Walker could win also. Here, Balian, I'm I'm, I'm calling BS. Balian, we're like Balian, what's your mixed martial arts background? He's like, you know, I kick the bag a lot. I'm like, listen, mate, no, game over. <laughs> so, all right, let's get a few more actual questions. Kiss again said thoughts about knees on the ground being allowed. What do y'all think? Yeah, no. I think uh, knees. I think knees. Do you know the knees I love to see on the ground at the body. I don't think it's used enough, um, especially yeah. when guys are in turtle position and you're kind of trying to round the back. I love to see guys take a few shots to the to the ribs there, to the, to the liver around that area. I feel like that's a really effective thing that people just don't do enough. Knees to the head, I'm all right with that. That Keep it out. But, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't care really, but they're the knees I'd love to see a bit more of. Um, in turtle position, you have your opponent turtle position just driving the knees into the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I've no need for knees to the head on the ground. I've seen uh, Dan Hardy and Mark Goddard had actually a really good discussion about it. And Mark Goddard had a really good case of why it shouldn't happen. Specifically, if a guy gets caught up against the cage and like you're kneeing a guy and there's nowhere for his head to go, like it is bad. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree. Knees to the body, like more of those, please. GSP used to be excellent at those. Um even these to the head and turtle are fine for me, but then like you're just making the rules overly complicated. Just no knees to the head. Yeah. Here, listen. How much did Dan Hardy and Mark Goddard pay you today, Rob? <laughs> what did I mention them more than once? 
<laughs> maybe maybe a few times. I want to quit. <laughs> oh, dear joke. Lord. Um, I don't know how to say that first name. Oisin O'Connor said, where in Ireland are PT and Rob? Was it? <laughs> Oisin. Is that, he, is that I really? I like Oisin, though. Is that really how you say Oisin, that? Oisin, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, they just asked where in Ireland you two are from. You can answer that if you want, but they said, are you both from Dublin? So you don't have to answer that if you don't want to. I know your personal oh, information. Yes. That's the only city yeah, I think I know in Ireland. So in my opinion, that's where you guys are from. So I just don't know. Geography over there. Pizza just said it. Pizza gave it away a minute ago, right? Yeah. Where he's I'm from. from Blanchardstown. And Rob is probably, I could probably run to Rob's house in about 30 minutes from where I am, could I? Yeah. 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 I reckon. Lucan area. Originally from yeah. town, though. Nice. See. Are you? Yeah, I didn't know you were from. What part of town are you from? Like inner city. All right. Okay. Rob. Rob would probably yeah. beat the shit out of me. Then I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, don't was, take offense, Rob. Right. I know you've got a blade on you. I don't want that. to cause any shit. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna wrap this up. So, um, any news on an opponent for Chandler? Uh, I do not believe so, Steve B. He called into our show a few weeks ago and said that he's hoping to fight sometime early summer, May, June-ish. That's all he has told us, and I don't believe anything in the news has actually been confirmed. So don't know about an opponent for him, but he's hoping to fight in the next, whatever, four, three, four months. Um, so Manny said Rosenstruck's going to fuck gone up this weekend. So I know we kind of talked about that in the Kumite, but do you guys have any more predictions or any other fights you guys are excited for this coming weekend? We can kind of end on that, do like the kind of recap for this Saturday. Yeah, like, I mean, that's a completely viable possibility that Jairzinho will be Gan, uh, as well as that Gan could flatline uh, Rosenstruck. Like, we've seen Rosenstruck get KO'd. We've never seen Gan get KO'd. Just to give you an idea about Gan, like, his, like his first few fights um, in MMA were really, really against stringent opponents. Like, I believe his second pro fight was for the TKO title in Canada. Like, this is a guy that was 1-0 and put into a title fight. And, and as far as I remember, like, his, his opponent was vastly more experienced than him. So this is a guy that's come from a kickboxing background and has been honed into the MMA ring. Look, we've seen Fernand Lopez of the MMA factory in Paris do this before with Francis Ngannou. He's no stranger to this. He's also um, helping Rug Rug. I, I know you guys must know about Rug Rug, the sensation, the Senegalese wrestler who's taken yeah. the world by storm. I think he's 2-0. and Um he recently had a fight, a one championship, and uh, got another brutal ground and pound knockout, I think. Um, but this is a guy that's done it all in terms of the striking sports. He's shown a great flair for MMA. He's been fighting a good level. I'm just trying to pull up his record here. To, yeah, his his second fight was for the TKO title against a guy called Adam Dicker, <laughs> who was 7-0 going into the fight. So a 1-0 guy against a 7-0 guy is pretty incredible. And then his first title defense was against a guy who was 8-1. and And then his UFC debut was against a guy who was 9-0. So yeah. he, he's really, really good for, for being so early in his career. I, I think you're right in that Rosenstroke probably has one shot power, like a, probably wins there in that kind of conversation. But I think all around... I give Gan uh, the edge in terms of just pure striking ability, in terms of his footwork, how he sets things up. But, of course, in the heavyweight division, that can all turn to shit once you get hit. So, who knows? That's why I love the fight. 
Yeah, Ghana's also showed a bit of submissions as well, like a bit of wrestling and a bit of submissions. So I wouldn't be surprised if he if he brought it there. Um, he hasn't been afraid to do that in the past. So yeah, I like uh, Pedro Munoz and Jimmy Rivera on the card. That's a good fight. And also Angela Hill, Ashley Yoder. I'm a big fan of Angela Hill. Um, and also actually William Knight and Alonzo Menafield could be an absolute banger on the prelims. So there's some, there is some good fights there on, on the card. Um, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. There's also... Um... Another one you guys should look out for is the guy who stepped in to fight Alex Oliveira, uh, Kormadomegov, Medov, <laughs> again. This is the same thing we talked about earlier. We're coming full circle here. Another one of Mark Henry's undefeated Dagestanis coming in to fight Alex Oliveira. I, I, we saw it in his last fight against a guy from Kazakhstan, I believe it was. He stepped in on short notice and submitted him in the first round with a guillotine. So another yeah. very hard out for Alex Oliveira, who's getting an opponent on short notice. But this guy is 8-0. Um, I do believe he's from Dagestan. He is a brutal wrestler once again. So that's a, that's a one to have a look at as well. Like Coming into the UFC and being Alex Oliveira in your first fight is pretty astronomical as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that's not easy. All right. Cool. Well, PT, Rob, do you guys have any last-minute thoughts? Now's the time, but if not, I think we're going to wrap it. It's about 140 our time, which is right about on the button. So you guys got any last-minute thoughts? Any hot takes no, you want to leave the audience with? Just as usual, really need to have a piss. And... <laughs> You're drinking too That's much it. water. So. Cool. Well, we're going to wrap it, guys. Thank you, everyone that joined us. Um, Jason, glad that you are have survived your surgeries. Uh, you're probably... Congratulations on the new face, Jay. Yes, congratulations on the new face. Okay. We'll probably hear see you soon, but thank you again, everyone. And quick announcement, if you guys did not know, or this is your first time tuning in, we actually used to do a segment called Kaposa's Corner, where we kind of highlight some regional and national um, indie MMA and just kind of like rank the highlights. So we have actually turned that into a full-on video now. We're not doing it on these live chats. It is actually on our MMA on Point Extras channel, and it just went live 10 minutes ago. So if you missed that segment and you want to see it, hop on over there right after this and give it a give it a watch. Let us know what you think. And other than that, I guess we're out of here. Pizzi, Rob, y'all ready? Love you guys. Everyone, Cheers. see you guys. Thank you. We will see you all next week. Peace. <laughs>